Welcome to the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, author, teacher, speaker, and coach. I focus on your spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being to help you be the best leader possible. Each episode explores research and practical tips so you can be a non-anxious presence personally and professionally. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 52 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I am Jack Shatama, and today's episode marks one full year of weekly podcasts on how to be a non-anxious presence in your personal life and your professional life. I hope you have found it helpful, and if you have, please share it with a friend. Today's topic is about how to use deflection to deal with anxious people. In 1996, I was appointed the pastor of two small churches in a small town in Maryland. And as is customary in my denomination, what happens is the district superintendent, that is the supervisors of the pastors in my area, goes in and meets with the staff parish relations committee, that's essentially the personnel committee, to introduce the new pastor and the district superintendent goes in first and talks about the new pastor and what they're getting and then that's when the new pastor comes in. So I wasn't actually there when the DS talked to the SPRC prior to my arrival, but I'm told that she told the SPRC that the new pastor had an earring. Now, from what I understand, one of the members of the committee just exploded with anxiety and said that she wasn't going to put up with having a pastor with an earring and that if they had a pastor with an earring, that she was going to leave the church. And one of the saints of the church turned to her and said, well, we'll miss you. Now, this to me is an example of paradox and playfulness paradox because it's the opposite of what your instinct tells you. Most of us would respond by saying, don't leave, we value your work here in our ministry, or give the new pastor a chance. Either of those is arguing content when the emotional process tells us that threats are a form of anxiety that seek to create surrounding togetherness pressure rather than self-differentiation. The paradoxical thing here is to call the bluff. Go ahead, it's your choice. We'll miss you if you decide to leave. To understand the playful part, you need to understand the saint who responded. She was always calm, cool, and collected, and her delivery in this case was deadpan. It wasn't threatening, it wasn't anxiety-laden, and it was a bit humorous. I've had times in my life where I've been able to respond playfully and paradoxically to an anxious situation like this saint in the church did. But there are many others where I get sucked into the content of the situation. I lash back with my own anxiety, or I just give in without taking a non-anxious stand. And this is from someone who spends a lot of time thinking about family systems theory and how to be a non-anxious presence. In episodes 49 and 50, I discuss how we can better prepare for anxious situations, especially chronic ones. These are the ones that happen repeatedly, and you can predict how the conversation will go. Since you have experience with them, you can develop self-differentiated responses, then practice them in advance. 
you won't always succeed in the moment of truth, but you have a much better chance than if you don't prepare at all. You're likely to just repeat the same old patterns. That's insanity. The question is, what happens when you're caught by surprise? The saint who responded paradoxically and playfully is the exception in the extreme. We have to reach high levels of self-differentiation and awareness of family systems process to think that we could consistently respond in this way. So what about the rest of us? What do we do when we're surprised by an anxious person? One answer is deflection. I recently read a Harvard Business Review article entitled How to Deflect Difficult Questions in an Interview or Negotiation, written by Brad Bitterly and Maurice E. Schweitzer. Now, of course, the article is about research that is done in business situations, job interviews or negotiations, but it helps us to understand how deflection can be a tool for us to use in anxious situations. Now, what the authors did, Bitterly and Schweitzer, was they did studies on negotiations and they tried to figure out what the best outcomes were, both in terms of relationship building and in terms of economic outcome. Now, in previous studies, researchers had examined three types of responses, answering honestly, declining to answer, and lying or deception. What they found was that answering honestly can build trust and likability, but can also be economically costly in a negotiation or a job interview. If you're asked if you've had other offers and you honestly answer no, it could cost you. Declining to answer, even politely, can damage relationships. Even if you say nicely, I'd rather not say, this tends to reduce trust and likability. This could also cost economically because you might not get the best offer possible without a high degree of trust. And of course, lying and deception are the worst possible responses. They may get a better economic outcome, but when they backfire, and they usually do, it blows up. Now, what Bitterly and Schweitzer did was they added deflection to the mix in their studies. They defined deflection as responding to a difficult question with a question. In their studies, the researchers ran several scenarios simulating negotiating an art sale. Participants were tasked with selling a hypothetical piece of art from a collection. The buyers were research assistants who followed predetermined scripts, varying the responses between honesty, declining to answer, deception, and deflection. What they found was that deflection Answering a question with a question strikes a balance of positive outcomes. In one trial, deflection got better economic outcomes than honesty, even though honest people were liked and trusted more. And deflection resulted in greater trust and likability than those who refused to disclose. Similarly, deflection resulted in lower economic outcomes than those who lied, but much higher trust and likability ratings. Of course, you know I have a family system's take on all this, so let's just rule out deception altogether. I think we all agree that lying to those we care about, lying to anybody actually, is not a good practice. It's not a good way to build trust and likability, and it's actually likely to make us more anxious than non-anxious. 
Still, I find the study interesting, and I think the results are significant for thinking about how to deal with anxious people and anxious situations. If you hang around me long enough, you'll hear me say that a general principle in dealing with people who are unloading their anxiety on you is don't argue, don't agree. The key indicators or clues you're looking for include who are they defining, themselves or other people? Are they blaming or taking responsibility for self? Is there heightened anxiety or are they able to express their feelings in non-anxious ways? Understanding the difference between emotional process and content doesn't mean we never engage in content. If someone is self-differentiating, that is, self-defining in a non-anxious way, we should definitely engage in the content. Listening to others is how we learn and get better. The key here is to know the difference. When someone else is threatening, blaming, and creating surrounding togetherness pressure, we need to avoid content while staying connected. That's what deflection does. According to the researchers, deflection comes across as being curious and open. By definition, this is staying emotionally connected. I've always said that listening using open-ended questions is the easiest way to be a non-anxious presence. If you keep asking questions, you won't be arguing or agreeing, but you'll be staying connected emotionally. The HBR article offers a few tips, some of which I have covered before, but I think they're worth sharing. Understand that this article is focused on interviews and negotiations, so they're suggesting deflection as a way to balance trust and likability with higher economic outcomes. In relationships, it's all about trust and likability. And while honesty is the best policy in many cases, when you're dealing with anxious people and situations, honestly is likely to get you into content. This is why deflection can be so helpful. Here are three tips from the HBR article. The first is anticipate the difficult direct questions you are likely to be asked. Now, of course, they're talking about an interview or a negotiation, but this is similar to preparing in advance for chronic situations. Whether you're going into a difficult meeting or a family reunion, you can likely anticipate the difficult questions or anxious situations that you might be faced with. The second tip is to develop deflecting questions. And they write in the article, quote, the best deflecting questions stick to the same subject of the question that was initially posed. This helps to maintain the flow of the conversation and focus on your counterpart. People are often keen to talk about themselves. Deflection questions that are humorous can also be particularly disarming. For example, in response to the question, when do you plan on having children, which, by the way, is illegal for employers to ask in the U.S., the deflection could be, do you have any children? Or a humorous response might be, at least nine months apart. Is there a different norm at this company? A little humor can pivot the conversation to a different topic and a signal that you want to create a pleasant interaction, end quote. So here we actually have the combination of deflection and playfulness. But the idea here is that if you are able to anticipate anxious situations and have deflection questions on hand, 
they can help you to reduce the anxiety in the situation. I also think it's really helpful to have a handful of deflecting questions to use when you're surprised or even ambushed. As the research tells us, it's important to be able to stay on the same subject. And we know from a process standpoint, we want to do that without getting into the content. Don't argue, don't agree. So here are my favorite questions that I like to keep in my pocket just for any situation, anxious situation where I'm surprised. My favorite is, tell me more. No matter what somebody comes up to you and says, if they're blasting you, they're blasting somebody else, they're blaming some situation, they're threatening, just by saying, tell me more, you're remaining a non-anxious presence. Now, technically, this is not a question, but it's more direct and more natural than, could you please tell me more? If you just are able to take a deep breath and say, tell me more, that's a great way to deflect whatever anxiety is being flung at you and give the chance for the situation to diffuse just a little bit. Another one I like is, what makes you say that? Or what makes you feel that way? And another is, how does that make you feel? Now, every situation is different, so we need to be able to gauge in the situation what question might work best. But having a few questions on hand for those situations can be a lifesaver. Finally, the researchers recommend practicing deflecting questions. I think this is important, but remember, you're likely to do this in a cold emotional state when you're rational and logical. And if you get ambushed emotionally, it's likely to put you in a hot state. So you either need to be able to pause, take a deep breath and try to get yourself in a cold emotional state in that anxious situation so that you can deliver the deflection question that you have in your pocket or that you've practiced in advance. Or you need to be able to practice those questions, those responses, while you are in a hot emotional state. And as I said in episodes 49 and 50, the best way to do that is to actually get yourself worked up in that hot emotional state, picture the anxiety, feel the anxiety, and then practice your responses. I'll close by saying deflection is not a manipulation. You're not trying to achieve a win over the anxious other. You're trying to stay connected to them in a healthy way. And deflection enables you to do this without taking on their problems or issues. That's the best way to challenge someone else to take responsibility for self. And that's the best thing we can do for anxious people in anxious situations. So that's it for this week. If you're interested in more resources on how to be a non-anxious leader, you can go to the nonanxiousleader.com. You can subscribe to my blog. I send out two articles a month. I also send out a weekly two for Tuesday email with two recommendations on how to be a better leader. What I found lately is that I used to recommend books and podcasts, but now I actually recommend more articles and specific podcast episodes because I find that people don't always have a lot of time to read a whole book or to listen to a podcast regularly. So if I can pick out the real winners, then I can recommend them to you. And of course, I don't make any money on these recommendations. I'm just trying to help you to be a non-anxious leader. So until next time, thanks and goodbye. 
Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at thenonanxiousleader.com. Now, go be yourself.